Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Uh, we just recorded about 40 minutes. 44. Um, yeah, 44 minutes of the podcast, but the sound was off. The good news is we got it figured We're out. We're nice and warm. <laughs> We're warmed up. Yep, we uh, we know a lot about our uh, guests now, so a lot of these questions <laughs> that we're going to be asking him, we already know the answers to, but we want you guys to know the answers, so we want to welcome a special guest that we have. Uh, Tony, if you want to introduce him. Yeah, Logan's been uh, our friend for a minute now. We've been in the same Fort Wayne Real Estate Investors Association for a few years. Uh, Logan owns a company that wholesales properties. Uh, he has a triplex that he has in his personal name that's how he got started in real estate was actually house hacking and uh, he also is a partner in a company that buys commercial and self-storage facilities uh logan zuber how many you got i can't remember now <laughs> uh, in the partnership we have eight properties we have four commercial um then four self-storage facilities uh so the two we have two self-storage in angola indiana one in South Carolina, and then one in Alabama. And then for the commercial, uh, we have one in Ligonier, two subways in Arkansas, and uh, industrial building in Columbia City. What about, what about the AutoZone? AutoZone, that, it's an advanced auto, and that is under contract. So we're under contract with that in Alabama as well, and then under contract on another 100-unit facility in uh, Ohio. Snap. Gotcha. Do you want to show them the photo? Oh, yeah. I, I asked Logan about this. This was like 44 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> so, Logan, if you can't, if you're listening to just the podcast version, uh, Logan's in a lawn chair in the middle of a post apocalyptic scene. This commercial building that he owned burnt to the ground. Uh, it was uh, a place where uh, he had welders working, uh, it was a business. And you can see, like, a destroyed truck work truck in the background and just garbage and uh everything is charred it, it looks pretty bad so what what happened what was this picture about like <laughs> so that was actually my brother's build it was at his house it was his pole barn that we ran uh his company a uh, welder on the way out of and uh yeah one night i think in the summer uh, i got a phone call about 2 a.m that the building was on fire um lost absolutely everything uh including my brand new motorcycle i bought i forgot about that what did, uh, he, what did he call you for? He's just like, Logan, get over here and help me freaking get upset. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. You got to vent to somebody, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Who are yep. you going to call? Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting process of um, helping run a business. Who was that? I think there's a quote from, like, a, a famous uh, inventor or entrepreneur where he called, I don't know if it was Thomas Edison or, like, somebody like that called uh, their friends and family. He's like, come, come look. Like, our commercial buildings burn into the ground and they were like why and he's like this is the bigger fi biggest fire you're ever going to see in your life <laughs> he was actually like really excited about it and wanted everybody to come see it because he's like dude you'll never see a fire bigger than this ever oh yeah you like there was a neighbor who took videos and stuff and like there you could hear oxygen tanks and uh, gas tanks blowing <laughs> oh my gosh shooting up in the <laughs> sky yeah it was uh, a did you be... did you get over there while i was still on no, fire no oh my gosh was, uh, i just said well 
I'll call you in the morning. <laughs> oh, you didn't even go over there? You're just like, like oh, I'm, well, I mean, I'm I going back to bed. Be a part of this misery right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I did not know it was, in, it was in his backyard. Did his house get damaged or anything like that as well? Or uh, A lot of stuff outside got damaged. I think maybe some vinyl siding got melted on the house. But, no, it was just his pole barney out of his house that we ran the business out of. And, uh yeah, good times. What the heck? So, what made you? Uh, what made you wanted to take that uh, photo? What was the uh, thought process behind that? I think we had just gone through so many low blows that week with, uh, well, I guess just the building burning down. Just like I gotta do something to lighten the mood a little bit, and uh, maybe I found it more appealing than he did. <laughs> was he? Was he upset? That no, he, oh, no. Okay. I mean, in general, yeah, but not. Yeah, before, right. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, we had uh, like welders and because we still had to run the business so we had welders outside set up with tents and canopies overhead because then of course it was raining and stuff too so when was this like was it winter time or what, what was the season oh, okay yeah. wow what what did it look like when you first uh solicited your partners to be like in a partnership with them because you've got this commercial and these guys are like older than you mm-hmm. right and I'm just thinking of like you coming in with like not too much experience, like a little bit of experience in real estate and a little bit of experience running a business with your brother and like being the sales guy and positioning yourself that way. But uh, I remember one of your partners kind of being like, I don't understand why everybody's doing partnerships. Like I'm always in it just to be with myself. I would never like have a point like just you have a lot more freedom when you're just doing what you want. So what did you even say to get these guys to be like, yeah, we want to partner with Logan. That sounds like so much fun. (laughs) Well, I think uh, the one partner, he's been my mentor for many years now. And so I just want to provide value to him because that's what you do when you have a mentor. So I was like, Hey, you know, I'll send out all your letters. I'll fold them. I'll do everything. Uh, Cause we talked about buying a strip mall at the time together. And uh, so we were looking and looking and we, I think we were really close to purchasing one in like January of 2020. So right before COVID hit and stuff. And then once that happened, I'm like, all right, well, we're no interest in that. Uh, but then he cold called a storage facility up in Angola that one of my other partners had now partners had mailed to. And the guy never responded, but he answered the phone call. So to buy this property, we had to bring a hundred thousand dollars down. Like I didn't have any money at the time. So uh, we had to bring in other partners and we knew these two had, they've gone to self storage, like training seminars and stuff like that. And we all kind of just had a meeting one day at Don Chico's up in Kendallville and ate lunch together and just kind of went over what it would look like. Like I had the most free time, uh, even with my work at the time. So I would do the day to day management. And then a couple others would do like the financials and then the others would find deals, deal with contractors. Um, so there's, four of us. Um, but so we all complement each other's skills very well. Like we're not all good at just the very same thing. Cause that wouldn't work. You know, I can talk to people, I can handle the phone calls, but like, don't go over financials and taxes and banks and stuff with me. Like, I don't want to know. It hurts my head. <laughs> Dude, I didn't know there's four of you. I thought there was three for some reason. Husband and wife. Oh, yeah. oh, gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. Nice. What, what would you say was the reason that you decided to get into real estate in the first place? And then what would your why be? Uh, so how I got into it was, um, you guys know James Gatchel? Yep, I've heard that name. He had a four unit in Butler that he bought with an FHA. And he's like, yeah, it pays for me to live. And then it's some on top. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like good money. So my parents' friend had a triplex for sale in Auburn. And um, 
he was trying to sell it. So I offered it to my buddy. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm still in school, like buy this. And he goes, no, I can't. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll give it a go. And I got it with an FHA loan. Um, I lived in the upstairs apartment, which was the worst apartment at the time. Uh, slept with like the walls torn down, the plaster walls falling off. I slept on a yoga mat for a month or two. Then I moved up to an air mattress, had a microwave on the floor, uh, while I rehabbed, you know, the back unit to get it rent ready to be able to pay for me to live there and then some. Uh, so that was a good experience. But as for the why, I mean, it's always been freedom. Like I don't want to have a real job. Like I've had a real job and I hate it and I'm not good at it. Like, but real estate allows me to thrive in an environment that I'm now pretty good at. So that's my why is it's freedom. You know, I like, you know, people will kind of give me a little crap for going on vacations often, but that's the reason I do it. Like I'm not trying to do it to go on vacations and stuff when I'm 40. And that's not me saying I'm taking all my cash flow and going on vacations. Like these are overall cheap vacations, but it's, you know, that's what I want to do. I enjoy going out West. Like me and my girlfriend go out West a couple times a year now. Dude, we should talk about, uh, talk about that email that you received. If you're, if you're okay with talking about it, I want to talk about some haters. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the haters. Um, so we use private money lenders, okay, and um, for to come up with the down payment on some of our deals, and we pay them a good interest rate. And so part of that is me going out, messaging people, saying, "Hey, would you be interested in making this amount of return on your money?" And uh, so this guy, he was my old uh, internship boss. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I might be interested." So he messages me back a few days later, and he goes, "Well, my partners and I decided we weren't interested um, because I got a picture from him, and it showed that you had a." Camaro down in Alabama when you went to go look at a property and it showed like, you know, they basically asked, is Logan on vacation or is he out doing business? So they had enough intuition to like look me up and, you know, do some research. But what they didn't read was my post that says, Hey, like I should, like, it's been a long day. I had multiple flights canceled. I had to fly up to Detroit, fly back down. I get to the rental car place. I ran into Volkswagen Jetta because I own a Volkswagen Jetta. I think it was like $53 a day or something. And they go, well, the only thing we have is a Camaro, convertible Camaro. I'm like, okay, like I got to be down this town in an hour. Like I'll take it. And so I took a picture. I had the, somebody backed into the Camaro at a gas station. So I took a picture just to, and then made the post to show people like it was a long, awful day. And so he sent that to me. He goes, are you on business or is this a vacation? And I'm like, I, I'm like, I didn't choose a Camaro. Like, I don't know if you know this, but we're in uh, October, November, 2021 right now. Rental cars are still pretty hard to get and expensive. Yeah. So they said, Hey, the only thing we have is a Camaro. I'm like, okay, I, I could care less. I don't even like it because the, the yeah, windows are small. Are they're hard to drive. Yeah. So, I mean, you deal with that when you ask people, you know, if they're interested in things like, or you get, you know, people don't respond, but you know, we have multiple private money lenders who are very happy with us, who keep lending to us because they like our returns and they trust us. Yep. Yeah. That's the same thing that, uh, you know, other people tell us is, um, whenever you borrow money, they're like, Oh, don't borrow money from anybody. Cause then those people are going to tell you what to do and what you can and can't buy and all this other things. Um, I've not experienced any of that. And, uh, um, we actually heard about this on a zoom call that we were doing, but I told Logan, I was like, dude, it's probably a good thing that you didn't get that guy's money because now he's going to be like, Oh, what are you spending my money on? What are you doing with this? It's like, dude, I'm investing your money and I'm going to pay you what we owe you without a doubt. 
Um, so yeah, I, I thought I thought it was kind of funny though that people do worry about that a lot. Which obviously it's very important to keep your expenses low and as low as possible, especially when you're in the building stages. Like you can't build if your expenses are high because the banks won't continue to give you money if you have a lot of debt or anything. But at the same time, like you said, if that's what you're going after and like you're supposed to enjoy your life, like it's okay to enjoy your life a little bit. And it's worth noting too, for that partnership, we don't pay ourselves a penny. Yeah. Like none of that money comes to us. That is all in the business and goes towards our deals. Anything I use is my money. Yeah. From- also, it's like, hey, uh, we're not a publicly traded company, bud. Uh, this this isn't stock. Like we're not talking about what the, the corporation decides decision-wise. You're a lender. <laughs> well, and you guys right. know as well as I do, the private money lenders, you know, it's about you. It's about them trusting you. Right. You know, it doesn't matter what the deal is. It's like, can I trust you? So yeah. that's a lot of what it is. And, you know, maybe he did or didn't, or maybe he just wanted a good out. But it was just funny that, you know, they backed out because they saw I was driving a Camaro that I didn't rent, that I didn't yeah. want. He was fresh off a Dave Ramsey marathon. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he pops onto his Instagram and he's like, oh, it's a sign. Dude, I, uh, yeah, I think it's funny because some friends of ours keep making fun of us for um, getting first class flights, um, which I told you about. Uh, yeah, but I'm just like, man, like we got first class flights for the first time ever in our life. Um, like we've bought multiple millions of dollars of real estate. Like Tony and I pay ourselves very little. We have not bought in like a huge house, a nice car. Like I have a decent car, but it's not like anything crazy. Um, like kept our expenses low and we bought a first class flight one time and like all of our friends like, oh man, these guys are crazy. It was like, it was We're like, gonna start flying first class all the time now, just cause you guys said yeah. that. <laughs> but um, yeah. It, uh, Ed Milet talks about a lot, like you want to experience that life that you want to have. That way you actually know what you're working after. Because if you never actually experience that and you keep like depriving yourself of getting rewards, a lot of times I've gotten like this, I'm like just working it. And I'm like, man, why am I doing this? What is the purpose? And if you don't ever taste some of that and you keep depleting yourself from it, dude, eventually you're going to get burned out because like, why do I want to keep doing this when I'm not getting anything that's making my life better? Even if you know, like, you know intuitively long term that you're going to get it it's still different than like experiencing it that's a whole different motivator you have to reward yourself like if you're going to grind you have to reward yourself and know what you're grinding for and you guys are probably like me that like you know if you go on vacation day four i'm ready to get back home get back to work because we're both in active income businesses and it's like if i'm not producing no one's like no one gets paid yep no question I think, too, about just entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship in general. And it seems like, I don't know, I was watching, this is going to be a funny thing to put on this podcast. I was watching uh, this Peppa Pig clip because my daughter watches Peppa Pig. And uh, the kids were like, I want to be a police officer because then I'll get to tell people what to do. And then, and then like, the, uh, the next kid is like, I want to be a teacher. And like, Why do you want to be a teacher? And so she's like trying to get her to say nice things. And she's like, because then I'll get to tell people what to do. (laughs) But I feel like entrepreneurs are the opposite where it's like, I just want no one to be able to tell me what to do. Yeah. (laughs) And it sounds like that's part of your why, too. You just like, you know, I like I I, before I would never really label myself as an entrepreneur because I didn't think of it like that. But I guess, you know. I guess I actually am, you know, with, you know, I'm self-employed hundred percent and I finally just got myself some health insurance that I get to pay for <laughs> now. So I'm truly self-employed. Um, but yeah. What would you say is your ultimate like dream goal vision? Where do you want to be? What do you want to have? What do you want to do? Oh man. 
that's a loaded one. I mean, it's a, it's always ultimate freedom. Like I just want to be able to go do the things I enjoy. Like I enjoy traveling a lot. And to me, like <clears throat> goal wise, like I never used to be a big goal person at all. And then I must have over time being in real estate, being around people who have goals, like, okay, I want goals. And it's not just a thing. It's like, what am I capable of? What can I achieve? Like, I want to see my maximum potential. Like even there's days where I'll be lounging around, not working as hard as I should be. I'm like, all right, like you don't need, like you're allowed to take breaks. Don't get me wrong. But what's your maximum potential and how can we get there? Because I want, we want to own a lot of real estate right. and I want to operate. I don't want to work so hard. Like I don't want to be a billionaire. I have, I do not have that work ethic to where I'm going to sleep on the factory floor or whatever and grind for 30 years. Yeah, You said earlier you weren't going to buy any NFTs. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to own enough to be comfortable and live the lifestyle I want. Um, so I think it just depends on where you want to be, you know, in your journey and what your real goals are. Like I do not want to work. Like I've seen my, I've seen family members and people I know work for a company because it's secure. Like my, what I do, they say isn't secure, but it's like, okay, well your company can lay you off tomorrow. You know, if I get fired tomorrow, I still have rental income coming in. Yeah. Like you can safely make it from high school to college and then safely make it from college into your job and then safely uh, work for the company for 40 years and then uh, safely retire for 10 and die. And you have to be able to take risk too, because like, when I had the tri or I still have the triplex, but after one of my tenants moved out, I'm like, I wonder what a furnished apartment would look like in Auburn. So I asked on Facebook, every comment was almost no people who are experienced, uh, real estate investors, managers, everything there said, no, I said, okay, well I think it will work. So I borrowed $5,000. I didn't have for my aunt and uncle at the time I furnished a place and first month I got $1,500 worth of rent. Wow. So I was like, okay, it works. <laughs> and did you do the other two that way then? Oh uh, yeah. Once I moved out of the upstairs apartment and I bought a house for myself, um, I furnished, well, it was already for, I just left everything there. Oh, so you don't live in the triplex anymore? No, no. I have my own house now. I did not know that. Okay. I bought the worst house on a block and, uh, slowly renovated it. And is that the one that you just listed not that long ago too? And then like it didn't appraise or something or like, Oh no, it was a different flip. Oh wow. Yeah. No, I live in a real house now. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> I think, uh, what, when I'm thinking of the the Real Estate Investors Association, we talk sometimes on the podcast about how good our Real Estate Investors Association is here in town. Uh, at the same time, uh, I also think that you need to take Facebook comments with a grain of salt because it doesn't matter what group you're in, whether it's Facebook Marketplace, uh, posts about politics, anything like Facebook comments, YouTube comments is like not the place to hedge all your bets or uh, internalize anything that people are saying. It's a, uh, it's a rough, it's a rough place to be mentally. If you're just looking at Facebook comments, ask people you trust and respect. Like if my partners and a multiple multitude of other people who are in the RIA said, no, Logan, that's a bad idea. I probably wouldn't have done it, but those weren't the people commenting on my posts. So, yeah. and the funny thing is, honestly, I, I think that even if you believe in something enough and like, even if everybody tells you, no, don't do it, it's not going to work, dude, sometimes they're wrong. Like the people who are experienced and like who do know, like sometimes they're wrong and like, you know, they're just like, dude, don't do that. And then it turns out to be like the best thing ever. But most of the time I would say you should like listen to their advice and like, you know, still like strategically plan. But sometimes they do give you bad information mm -hmm. just because based on their experience, it hasn't worked. And like, you know, they're just like stuck in the past a lot of times. But um, yeah, I was going to ask about like uh, your favorite deal. 
like the favorite deal that you've done so far, like the most creative one that you've done? So the most creative one uh, was the self-storage property we purchased down in Alabama. So uh, we found this on Google Maps or Google Earth, just going around on Street View because we found some other property there listed maybe. Um, and then so we're driving, going down this highway and we see this like decaying for sale sign outside the storage facility. Wait, what do you mean by going driving down the highway? Do you mean physically? No, like <laughs> on Google Maps, on your computer, okay. like you're just you're going clicking, down the highway. You're clicking down the highway and <laughs> you're so kind of looking on the city because you're kind of looking for these tall, skinny buildings and you zoom in. It's a lot of manual work that now I've learned you just hire VAs for uh, virtual assistants. So he had a sign outside that was said for sale. It was sunburnt. It was falling over a little bit. And um, so we called him. And he built them, I think, 20 years ago, maybe. He has 50 residential properties, and he just didn't want to manage it, got tired of it. So we bought it for, so it was a lease option purchase. So the purchase price is $150,000. We put one hundred and fifty down, or I'm sorry, we put $5,000 down. And then we have to refi or buy out within 12 months. So in 12 months, we're going to owe $133,000. So when we took over... I think there was like five tenants paying rent maybe. So almost how many units? 63. Wow. So almost entirely vacant. Now it's, so we're in November, so it's three months out. Uh, I have occupancy up to like 72% maybe. Um, so a handful of vacancies right now. And the value of that facility, basically when we go to a refi, if we get refinance, if we get up to 90% occupancy, it's going to be a $300,000 plus facility. So doubled our value in 12 months. Wow. And which, you know, he's probably likes the mailbox money he's getting right now because there's no interest on this. It's just a principal pay down only. Right. So we might just try and transition this to a note and mortgage and just keep this guy happy getting paid. And then we don't have to go deal with banks or anything. But chances are we'll probably end up, I mean, you're going to double your money. So we'll probably end up flipping it. We'll buy a um, triple net building which is like a, uh, so we own a couple industrial properties and stuff. Uh, so you have one tenant in there, they occupy. We found that the sweet spot is somewhere between 5,000 square foot and 15,000 square foot. Because if it goes dark, you can, like as a tenant moves out, you can find somebody to move in there pretty easily. Um, so that's what we really like. We're Storage is a good cash flow business. So we're using it as a vehicle to purchase more of these um, single tenant buildings, triple net buildings, um, they might cash flow a little less, but there's no management. Right. Like I was saying, like I forget we own these subways sometimes because there's no yep. management. Yep. So on that uh, on that deal that you were talking about, um, what does it cash flow? Because you know you're you're talking a lot about what you're going to flip it for and like the profit that you're going to make there. What's it cash flowing at now? So right now I think our rents are at twenty seven hundred a month, maybe, and our pay our debt service our payment is a thousand dollars a month. So. Wow. Um, Again, we keep all the money in the business. Um, we just use that to go buy more properties. Yep. So based on like a 10 cap valuation, this will be over a $300,000 property. So 150 purchase price, you double your money in wow. 12 months. Yeah. So a lot of our viewers probably don't know what a cap rate is. Could you explain like what a 10 cap is or what that actually means or like, you know. Yeah, I'll try the briefly. best I can. It yeah. took me an embarrassing amount of time to understand <laughs> it because it's kind of in reverse. So. A it's cap, okay. Ty Lopez doesn't know what a cap rate is. Yeah. Either. So a cap rate <laughs> is basically if you go and purchase a property in cash, a 10 cap would be a 10% return, but not everybody buys these in cash. So a cap rate kind of values what the market, what it's at on a market rate. So if you have a um, hundred thousand, so if you have a hundred thousand dollars in rental income 
and $50,000 in expenses, that's you know, $50,000 NOI. Mm -hmm. So at a 10 cap, that is a $500,000 facility. I hope I did that right. It's yep. hard to do my numbers yeah, in my head. It's your your net operating income divided by your purchase price. So yeah. in order to come out with the, the cap rate, you kind of have to like do the math backwards, do some algebra. Yeah, so like a low cap rate is really good if you're a seller because that means somebody's paying a lot of money for it. A high cap rate is really good if you're a buyer. So like our um, one facility up in Angola, you know, we've added, we've owned that for... A year and a half now, we've added over a quarter million dollars of value into that facility just by raising rents. Yeah, explain explain that for the viewers too, because you know most people are used to single family residential, especially whenever they hear us talking. You know, you buy a property, you look at comps, what other properties are selling for, and then bam! All right, this one sold for one fifty. You guys bought this at you know a hundred, but you put twenty into it. Now that this house sold and it's a similar building, now it's worth you know one fifty because everything's selling for it. That's obviously not how commercial works. So explain to them how you're able to you know say that it's worth so much more. Yeah, so appraisals will take in appraisers will take in consideration some comps. Like they comped one of our facilities, I think like an Elkhart or something. So it was a pretty far wow. ways away. So for Angola, I would consider that a C class facility. There's gravel driveways, it's kind of an older building, but it's nice, it's decent, but there's no gated entry, there's no fence around it or anything. So like think of uh your uh what are some of the big storage companies? Like um like the U-Haul and stuff, they have fancy entrances and stuff. Those are class A facilities. So those trade at like eight caps, five caps. It just, it depends on market too, because in Angola, Indiana, no one's selling for a five cap on a storage facility. Right. That's like, you know, Nashville or something. Like those yeah. will sell all day, no matter what. So it's, it's market-based and it's kind of, and it's based on the rents of the property and overall income. Yep. So explain that a little bit more than like the overall income, like how that changes it. So like, let's say that you bought that property. It had, it was only rented out to five people. Like, you know, how did you guys evaluate that? And then how did you actually say that it's worth that much more? Uh, basically just doing the research. So I went to other storage facilities down there. Um, after actually I went down and drove down there and went to all the other facilities in the area. I'd call them up and say, Hey, you have any units available? What's your rents? Um, Oh, we don't have any available. Boom. That's a good sign. Yep. Um, and then, you know, since we're starting, it's been a lot of management work for this one because it was vacant. So we offered promotions and stuff. Um, we went under market on a lot of these just to get it filled up fast because that's the goal. And then once I get it filled up, now I can go in, raise the rents, be a little more selective um, and just kind of maximize the value of the property. So it's really just about doing your homework. You got to call these other facilities. You got to drive up to them. Like, okay, I can see uh, it hasn't been mowed here in a while. I can see there's weeds overgrowing on it. Like, so somebody's going to choose our facility over that one. Yep. And then, uh, so uh, I know a lot of times the banks kind of look at it like, okay, they only look at the NOI on commercial, at least from what I've heard. Um, you know, it's kind of like a apartment building. So instead of looking at what other ones comp for, appraisers usually just look at, okay, here's what it makes. This is what it's worth based on the cap rate that they decide to use. Um, you know, they do take slightly into consideration the condition, what class it is, another thing like that. But mostly it's about what you can rent it out for. So you don't even like you, let's say that you bought that it's producing, you know, very little income. And then you can just raise that. You could literally do nothing else except for raise the, uh, uh, amount that it's bringing in. Like you did nothing. Let's say it's hundred percent occupied It's bringing in, you know, a hundred thousand. And then you raise the rents to 150,000. You now just, uh, you know, doubled or almost uh, one and a half times the actual value 
of that property um, to an appraiser based only on the income, based on nothing that you'd done to it. You didn't have to improve it. You didn't have to do anything. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, like you don't have to do that. Like, you know, we upkeep the property and everything. Right. Um, but for storage, I mean, it's just a value. Like it's just your rents. Yep. And you have to you have to educate banks. You have to be the expert because like we've had a bank, they try to tell us we need to see a copy of every one of your lease agreements. That's I'm like, crazy. okay, well, there's 250 lease. Are you sure you want to go down that road? Like, I'm like, we, we almost had to say, we need to talk to somebody who kind of knows what they're doing. Um, Cause especially when you deal with small banks who aren't used to commercial properties, like they're used to single family residential. Like you got to really talk to a commercial banker lender. Dude, I've, I don't even want to get started on. Yeah, those. we can talk about <laughs> banks a long time. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta tell one story. I don't know if I told you it, but man, we're buying this property. They're in a foreclosure, and they just want their payoff, so we put it under contract for lower than what we knew the payoff was, just because the property's pretty rough. Um, so, long story short, I'm talking to this lady, um, and she's arguing with me, saying that I have no idea what I'm talking about about a partial release. She says that a partial release has to do with land and releasing the property from the land or something. And I'm like, can I talk to somebody else? <laughs> and, yeah. And well, I was actually kind of getting really <laughs> frustrated because she's like, basically like, hey, you have no idea what you're talking about. And like, you're not asking the right thing. And like, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I I promise you, I am asking the right thing. and I do need to talk to somebody else. She's like, well, who do you want to talk to? I'm like, I, I don't know, somebody competent, like, <laughs> like seriously, like, dude, it was getting bad, but like, she literally, uh, she literally had no idea what she was doing. And she was trying to tell me that I didn't know. And I'm like, I promise I've done this a couple times. Like, I, I know what we're asking, but man, banks, it's very interesting how sometimes you don't have to be qualified for the position. So like, whenever you do find a good banker, man, stick with them. Mm-hmm. Because like a good banker, man, it, it is amazing when you find that relationship. We got, we got one guy that's just the best. Um, we have a good guy here locally too, and he we don't have to explain things to him. Yeah. Like he gets it, and he knows our overall portfolio. Like we're a good, very good cash flowing business because of the storage. Yep, and when you get somebody like that, man, dude. Hang on tight. Yeah, hang on tight to that person and make sure you keep a good relationship with them because it's hard to find, and uh, yeah, it's valuable. Logan, what would you say is your biggest struggle right now probably finding deals like we spend a lot of time energy money using virtual assistants to find deal that's why I mean we go all over the states we don't have like managing remotely is easy you just get a good boots on the ground guy you're solid for storage um, so we like to structure creatively if possible um, just because it makes it easier to grow and scale and usually you get better deals that way too um, so we spend a lot of time on prop stream going through the list that our VA has. We send out a lot of direct mail. We do a lot of cold calling. Um, we do cold calling for commercial stuff. We do that. Like we don't outsource that to like my VAs for wholesaling or anything. Who's doing the cold calling? Is that you actually calling? Me and one of my other partners. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we'll, you know, we don't have all the time in the world, but we'll sit down for a couple hours a week and try to knock out some calls. Um, now we have two deals under contract. So we're waiting till these close to try and, go after anymore. How, how many deals have you gotten from cold calling? Um, well, the first storage facility and the one in Alabama. So the two in Angola, the one in Alabama, um, I think that might be it. I think the rest were either listed or, um, I mean, yeah, we found, we found deals listed too. Like that one in South Carolina, you know, it was listed for months and, 
you know, no one bought them. We're like, all right, what's going on here? So we dug into the numbers. We realized that the seller didn't believe in using a computer. So nothing was in Excel or anything. Like it was all like taking a phone, a picture with your phone of a piece of paper. Was that uploaded on the MLS or whatever site it was no, on? No, well, okay. we had to ask, well, we had to ask the broker for it because there was no like um, yeah. documentation of anything. So we dug into it a little bit and the broker had the pro forma at like an 11 and a half cap. I'm like, all right, well, that's a decent deal. So I dug in a little bit more. I found some of the neighboring storage facilities like, all right, well, their rents are actually up here. So his, you know, his opinion of what the property could do was a lot lower than mine. And now we're not even a year in and we are at the rents that, you know, we thought we were going to be at. Wow. So, I mean, we took over day one. She had 15 vacancies, I think. And um, within 60 days, we were at one vacancy. And now I keep that thing filled 100% almost all the time. No matter how much I've seen to raise the rents, they just keep staying filled. Wow. You said that finding your boots on the ground guy is pretty simple. Um, in our experience, that hasn't always been true. How do you go about finding a good boots on the ground guy? Because I know there's a lot of like Israeli people that would like to know that who want to get into the Fort Wayne market. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the one guy... Uh, down our South Carolina facility. He's been a tenant there for 20, I think since it's been built, he's retired. And I think he just enjoys doing the work. Like, cause he'll take some of the units when we clean them out and stuff, like he'll take them to auction and go sell them somewhere. And so he enjoys doing it. And then we just give him a discount on rent and then pay him for some other things. And do you, do you like go through the tenants list and just start calling tenants and ask them if they want to be the boots on their ground guy or like, Usually you want to communicate with the, the seller and say, hey, who's somebody you trust that, you know, because a lot of times they're not doing the maintenance themselves either. And so your best referral is from the seller. Mm, like wow. I would trust this guy with, you know, $10,000 to hold on to for a month. So not realtors. No. <laughs> well, we, I, to be fair, because they'll probably listen to this. We do have one realtor down in Alabama who's been our boots on the ground. He's been very helpful. I called him specifically because he was a realtor. And he was about my age. I'm like, all right, this kid's going to probably be hungry. He's probably going to know what to do. He can use technology, which is a big help. Yep. Um, so he's been very helpful. That's awesome. So what do you usually say to these people on the phone? Because like, I know our script, you know, we're like, hey, we pay cash, we close quickly. What's Is it the same script that's used for houses? Or what do you say to these people when you're cold calling them? So when I'm when we do the cold calling for commercial, it's a lot different than wholesale, like uh, residential real estate that we do, because usually you're just calling to like, hey, you want to sell? And they're like, yep. I'm like, all right, let's set up a meeting. <laughs> Storage and commercial, I mean, it depends by seller too, because a lot of them, you know, you, you would think when you're dealing with commercial and larger storage properties that you're dealing with sophisticated sellers. And oftentimes it's not really the case, but... You know, I think they get a lot of phone calls right now and you just got to talk like it's a, the first conversation is just a conversation like, hey, you know, uh, we own these storage facilities. You know, we're kind of in the area. We want to see if you possibly would be open to selling yours. And then it kind of transitions to more of like a normal mm -hmm. call, depending on how it goes. Um, one of my partners mostly handles the cold calling um, aspect of it. I kind of just get everything set up, the mailers um, dealing with it after the fact. Who does the uh, incoming calls whenever you get that? Like whenever you send out the mailing mm -hmm. and then they call in, who who answers that? Me and one of my other partners. So we'll answer that. And then a lot of times we'll get like, we got, uh, so this advanced auto we have under contract in Alabama, we sent him an email. Wow. We saw the Pizza Hut was listed next door. And so we just got on Google Earth and we're like, oh, advanced auto. Couldn't get a hold of him by phone and sent him an email. And now we're under contract. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. And wh what did the email say? I don't know. I didn't send that one. Oh. So. <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy. 
Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a thing that you know you hear a lot of people say right now um, in real estate and commercial everything. There's no deals out there, man. It's a seller's market. You can't find deals anywhere, and that is absolutely not the case. Um, I mean, we're finding deals like we're we're buying more than we're selling right now. Um, so, and that sounds like the same thing. You just got to actively go out there and like try to contact people and talk to as many people as you can and you'll find somebody. Yeah. There's always going to be a deal. I mean, good market, bad market. I mean, you guys know we're in the hottest market we've ever known and we still find really good deals. I mean, it's the same thing for storage. It's just a different asset class. Um, we just like it a lot more because, you know, the, the way to add value is a lot easier than me adding value to a hundred single family homes. Yeah. And if I have to kick somebody out, like I'm not kicking a single mom and her kids out. Like I'm kicking your extra closet out. Like right. there's a lot less sympathy and a lot less legality stuff too, because it's, it's a business. Right. So if you don't pay your rent, you're, you're done. Whereas obviously residential, there's rules, regulations. You have to be a little more considerate because they live there. It's their home yep. uh, storage. You don't. Yeah. There's still rules. Don't get me wrong, but you have to, they're a lot more lenient. Yep. Uh, what failure set you up, like helped you out more than any other? What's your favorite failure or a failure that helped propel you to the point where you're at now or like changed your mind about something? You know, we were talking about this at our, um, we have a weekly meeting with our partners and, um, you know, at one point I was like, I don't feel like I failed enough, like to be able to earn it. And then I kind of remembered, so I quit my job in January, 2020. So then, um, three months after that COVID hit, we got, we got under contract on our storage facility in Angola, like a week before the shutdown. So I didn't have $25,000 to buy into this. So like I was trying to borrow money and probably the, one of the scariest times, you know, now looking back at it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem that bad now, but looking back, like no one knew what to do. So and this was before I started wholesaling too. So like I was during COVID, I was building websites in my house for businesses for free, wow. sending it to them and saying, Hey, I built this website for you. Do you want it? If so, $500, like just to be able to do something. Cause I just quit my job and I was expecting to go do um, some other things. And uh, it just didn't work out because of that. So I, then I got into wholesaling in August of 2020 and uh, still doing it strong now uh for me excuse me it's kind of a means to an end for me because i want to as soon as the storage stuff can pay me i'm probably done doing it as actively as i'm doing it now yep. uh, but it's the best job ever right it's a job don't get me wrong you guys know that it's a job but it's a good it's a good paying job yeah um and i do enjoy it because it teaches me a lot about real estate you get to deal with people a lot which i like doing and it's not the same thing every day yep and yeah, I was actually just talking to another guy about that. He's actually a realtor. Um, and I was like, dude, I actually feel like, dude, we're helping so many people, at least uh, like from like, I'll have to show you, uh, we're going to post it here soon, just a testimonial um, of somebody's property that we bought. Their mother died. It was six kids. Um, we negotiate the liens for them. Like, dude, there's a lot that we, uh, we do to help these people. And, you know, they get themselves in a mess. So um, how do you feel like about like whenever you're buying a property at a discounted price, do you feel like you're actually helping them or do you feel like, all right, I got this uh, situation and I've got to take advantage of it? I feel like I'm helping, you know, them, I'm helping my community and I'm helping myself. Like I, you know, I'm not saying right. like what I'm doing is the Lord's work or anything, but I know you guys feel like you guys are, have done a very good job at like, you love what you are doing. You feel like it is the best thing you could possibly be doing. And that's why you guys are better at this than I am. <laughs> like, because I, I have an end game of to be right. out of it. But yeah, I mean, I do feel like I'm helping my community because I like, you know, there was a house next door to my triplex that 
torn down. Like just, it should have been burned down. It was so bad. You know, I did everything I could to try and buy that property and we finally got it. And now there's, it, it's a totally renovated property. Right. It is beautiful. The city, you know, I, we have like, I'm on the parks board. Um, so I met with the mayor and like, he said something to me about that property. He's like, I'm so happy you got that property. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's pretty cool to have. And that's why I really like the small town stuff because I like, you know, I like helping my community. Like I love Auburn. Like, yep. And then, you know, I'm into Calvin Noble County mostly, but you know, I enjoy getting the area cleaned up a little bit for some of these less desirable houses. And then you get to help these people. Cause a lot of them, you know, too, that they just want out. Yep. They want to be done. They do not care. Just get me out of this house and get me paid. Yep. And, okay. Yep. And yeah, that's what, that's the way I feel is I, I actually do feel like we're helping people and that's why it is always hard to stop it and to not want to do it. Cause like, dude, it gets stressful. Like when you're in the middle of like freaking so many of them, it gets so stressful. Like I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're in the middle of like so many of them, but like, it's also hard to like, when somebody calls you and say, Hey, I want to sell this property. It needs work. It needs this. It's hard to like, be like, well, you know, we've, we got a lot on our plate right now. Can't really help you out. Uh, here's another contact. And like, you know, half these people can't help them either. Um, so I don't know. I always like feel like we really do try to actually help it and make it like a win-win scenario. Obviously it's still a win for you, yeah. but dude, these people are winning too. I mean, I've got mixed results from like neighbors before, like that one house I just flipped this past spring. Um, I sold it for the most house ever sold for in that neighborhood. Yep. Had one neighbor reach out to me and they're saying, you know, I, I understand what you're doing, but I kind of wish you wouldn't have done that because now prices are going to go up. I'm like, I hear you, but did you, do you remember what this house was like before I bought it? Like it was overgrown lawn stuff outside all the time. I think cops are there sometimes. And then you get other neighbors who are like, thank you so much. Yep. Yeah. And then you also be like, did you see how much money the government printed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course the prices are going to go up, dude. The prices of everything are going to go up. Yeah. Uh, I got a few wrap up questions here. If you could put any saying mantra, uh, any message to the world on a billboard, it's going to be in like a big place. Lots of people are going to see it. The world's going to see it. What would your message be to the world? Oh man. Um, to come in, with on the spot. In like the next 10 seconds. Yeah. So in the next 10 <laughs> seconds, it'd be, uh, you know, take the risk because, you know, like I said, going back to the, when I furnished the apartment, I was told no multiple times by people that saying it wouldn't work. Well, I took the risk. It worked. And then, you know, we had to buy the storage facility under contract during the shutdown, which the banks, they tightened up a lot during mm -hmm. those first couple months. You know, we knew it was a good deal. So I guess it's not really the risk factor there, but I'd say take the risk. I mean, how hard, you know, if it's your first deal or something like, and it fails, what's the worst that can happen? You're a young person, restart very fast. Awesome. That's a good answer. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> what book... Um, would you gift more than any other? What book has been the most influential? You feel like the most people need to read like an important book. Oh man, that's going to be the same one as you. Uh, oh, it's, it's rich dad, poor dad. I mean, I read that and, uh, I was like, oh, I don't want to work. I want to make, you know, I want to get the money, um, to where, I mean, if you have a job, it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, get to a level of comfort because there is always a risk of it failing it versus if you have, um, you know, side income coming in from rental properties, like I, I can't say anything's guaranteed, but it's all but guaranteed. Awesome. How can listeners get a hold of you? Uh, Facebook's probably the best or Instagram, uh, Logan Zuber 17 on Instagram. Um, what's the 17? 
I don't know. I think I picked a number when I was a kid. I was like, that's my, <laughs> that's my favorite number. And now, like, uh, Logan Zuber is taken. So I just have to, apparently, yep. there's more than one of us mm-hmm. out there. Awesome. And uh, just drop all of your, uh, all the uh, random VA DMs, you know, all of the, yeah. <laughs> all the junk DMs. Uh, last question, or, well, last couple questions. What do you think that your uh, superpower is? I will work harder than anybody else to not have to work. Like (laughs) I am a very lazy person and I understand that, but it's also made me a very efficient worker because I will set things up to where I'm like, all right, I'm pretty hands off now. Like before I was trying to, I was doing my own cold calling. I was setting up my own direct mail and stuff. I'm like, I'm spending way too much time doing that versus just going to the appointments. So I make sure anything I do is very efficient now to where I can be lazy and it's okay because it's getting done. Mm Yep. Awesome. So being a f- lazy effectively. Efficiently. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a, I can't remember if it was Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or somebody said like, I would hire the lazy person because they'll figure out the most efficient way it's, to get it done. Yeah. I want, I don't want the lazy person. I want the other person who's willing to do it all. I do get it all done though. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the important thing. That's the most important thing. Most, most of the lazy people that I see, dude, they're not getting it done. Like I'm lazy in a very good way. To where, yeah. Like it's getting done. I right. promise. Like I can't sit idly by and knowing nothing's happening. Yes. Like you have to make sure you have your system set up. Like I have, I don't know, three virtual assistants now and they've been extremely beneficial to my business. Um, and I pay, you know, I give them raises too, based on the, you know, what they result yep. results are. Yep. That's the way that uh, I always tell them, like, dude, if you can, like, do more work, let us make more money. You don't even have to make us more money. If we can make more money by you taking on more or giving us more free time, we will definitely make sure that you get paid more. Like, that is, like... Make me unable to replace you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, but I I don't know. I always see that as hard work a lot of times. But, dude, if they found an efficient way to do it, I would be more than happy with that. Um, if they found like, dude, I found a, a better way to do this to where I don't have to be here. I'd be like, dude, let's go. Yeah. Like I'm cool with that, but I'm not okay with somebody like just not getting stuff done. That sucks really bad. Yeah. Any final thoughts for people watching or anything? Buy commercial. Buy, I mean, look at, I mean, look into, I mean, I know I've talked to you guys about it too, to where I want you guys to look into some industrial commercial storage stuff because, you know, we are at the point, my partners and I, like we are all selling or going to sell off our residential portfolios. Like I'm in the process now of selling my triplex because one, I'm taking advantage of inflation, but two, um, I just, it's a CapEx expense because you're dealing with a chopped up single family house. Not saying you're not going to have that in commercial, but you guys know chopped up single families are going to always have an issue one way or another. It produces very good income to me, but you know, right now, my job with wholesaling is it's it's creating large chunks of income coming in. So that triplex pays me about 20 grand a year right now. So if I walk away and sell it right now, I'm going to have about a hundred grand. So can I take that hundred grand and make more than 20 grand a year with it? And I think I can because of wholesaling, because of how much I know about these houses now, what I can do, the contacts I've made to where I should be able to, I'm not going to say double my money every year, but hopefully pretty close. (laughs) The only thing I always think about with that though, is I think about like, whenever you take it from passive income to active income, you also got to think and calculate your taxes, your depreciation, um, things like that. But it'll change. I mean, you know, the partnership we have, you know, like I said, that's my main, that's my wealth builder that we don't take any money from that I know is going to grow and continue to grow. So there's not really a need for me to own it anything personally, 
my job is to go make large chunks of income to get, you know, make myself look really good to the banks, yep. make myself, you know, and it's fun too. I like flipping houses. I complain about it nonstop, <laughs> which, <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, guys, thanks for watching. A round two episode. Yes, round two. <laughs> this was our second episode. There's a lot that we didn't go Sorry over. Sorry if it felt sped up. <laughs> yeah, we went over a lot of other stuff in this one uh, that we didn't go over in the other one, but a lot of stuff was the same, so you guys hopefully got to see it. And stay tuned for our course. It's coming out soon. Um, we have probably about 30% of it done. So coming out the 26th, stay tuned.